This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, September 24, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. Among Illinois' many problems, state pensions stand out. And they stand out because many other states will be facing similar problems in a few years. Adam Schuster is a budget and tax research director at the Illinois Policy Institute. We spoke last month about how Illinois' problems with pensions could be coming to a state near you. To the extent that listeners don't care about Illinois state pensions, which is to say pensions guaranteed to uh, government employees, former government employees, quasi-government employees in some cases, um, they should because Illinois is a case study in how not to fund, how not to set up, how not to build pension obligations into your state constitution. and for But for a lot of states that are pensions are a third tier, maybe a second tier issue, uh, they will be a big issue. And it's a, it's a slow moving tidal wave for a lot of state budgets. Is that fair to say? That's absolutely fair to say. Um, depending on whether you do it on a market basis or an actuarial basis, uh, nationwide public pension debt is somewhere between $1.6 trillion, as high as nearly $5 trillion. So it, it is a nationwide problem. Uh, Illinois is the worst uh, in the nation when it comes to our pension crisis, uh, according to Moody's Investor Services, for example. Just the state systems, not even including, you know, local pensions for police, fire, all these other local government employees. Just the state pension systems have three hundred and seventeen billion dollars in unfunded liabilities, um, and this this matters not only for, for the whole nation, not only because. Um, what happens in Illinois with our pension crisis is likely to set the stage for what happens elsewhere as uh, pension debt becomes a, a bigger problem in these other states, but also because our state politicians are already trying to get the federal government uh, to bail us out to solve this problem for us. Uh, when the pandemic struck, for example, our Senate president wrote a letter to Congress asking for about $45 billion uh, in bailout money just for Illinois and about $10 billion of that was going to be deposited into the pension fund under his plan. So uh, you could be on the hook for these even if you don't live in Illinois. Now, let, let's try to analogize what this looks like for a lot of people who don't have to pay attention to it uh, because they're not affected by it directly. I mean, except as they are taxpayers. Um, the state government makes a contract with a state worker uh, at the beginning of their career. And over the course of that government employees' career, they contribute some amount of money, the normal cost, if you will, into a state pension fund. And the free lunch that lawmakers thought they were going to get broadly was, we put this money away now. It goes into a broadly diversified, although we can quibble about whether or not that actually was has been the case, broadly diversified market investments. Uh, equity markets tend to go up and at the end of this person's 25, 30, 35 year uh, government career, that money will have grown and we pay the pension out of that money. And that's the that's the promise. Right. But the incentives are not aligned properly for lawmakers in many of these many states, not just Illinois, to not put the money away that they say that they were going to put away. That's true. And, uh, you know, when you can spend that money 
on services that are much more visible, that uh, actually provide a lot more value to people and run for re-election on them, or when you can uh, put less aside than you really needed to um, so that you can keep lower tax burdens. Uh, this is this is an incentive uh, for politicians. Um, unfortunately, uh, in, in Illinois, you know, sort of like we said at the beginning, we are a case study in everything not to do, uh, how not to set up a pension system. Um, our state government employees who who work their career in state government, so about 30 years or more, uh, average about $2.3 million in lifetime pension benefits. Uh, many of them retire in their 50s. Uh, if you work 20 years, you also get free health care. Um, and the employees' contributions uh, only account for about 5% of the cost of that benefit. So the vast majority of this uh, is taxpayer funded. Um, And in in Illinois, uh, the benefits have grown uh, to such an outrageous degree, um, about a 533% increase in pension spending adjusted for inflation over the last uh, 20 years that we're starting to actually crowd out those services that the politicians were originally, uh, you know, hoping to uh, uh, bolster by by not putting enough money aside. So that 533% increase in pension spending has been accompanied by about a one-third drop in spending on a range of core government services like public safety, uh, higher education, anti-poverty programs. Um, and so in Illinois, the the, the uh, status quo is that we are consistently asking people to pay more because pensions are driving ha- tax hikes in the state to get less in return, less services in return. Uh, and that's why people are fleeing Illinois in droves because it's a, it's a terrible situation. So there are there is another aspect of this that is... Um sort of pernicious in the sense that almost no one wants to pay attention to it. And that is how states discount the liability associated with what they're eventually going to have to pay to pensioners. And this is hard to describe in English uh, because it, it no almost no one faces this kind of uh, discounting of future liabilities. Like you put a, you put money away for retirement. Let's say you know you need a million dollars for retirement and you've got 20 years to get there. That roughly works out to about 50 grand a year. Um, but you don't have to put away 50 grand a year because you know over time it's going to grow. So it's a little bit less than that. But if you think there's only a 95% liability that you're uh, 95% chance you're going to need to put away a million dollars to retire, then you don't, you put away a little bit less. Right. So how do you, how do you, how do you explain this to people? This idea that you're, you discount a liability and how do actuaries think about it? Yeah. So, um, it's, it's a hugely important issue. First of all, I mentioned at the top uh, that the estimates for national pension debt are somewhere between $1.6 trillion and, and nearly $5 trillion. And that gap is the discount rate. It depends on how you value these liabilities. Uh, gives you a very different uh, debt burden. Um, this is why I, I mentioned that Moody's says Illinois' state systems have $317 billion in debt, and the state itself only reports $144 billion. So it's more than double. Um, and that alone creates its own incentive problem, right? Because if you have an incentive to make your debt burden look lower than it than it than you know in your heart it is, then you raise the discount rate. The higher the discount rate, the relatively smaller amount 
the debt looks like, right? That's exactly right. And um, in fact, uh, there's some research, I believe it's by Amy Monaghan, I'm not 100% certain, it might be that she just cited it in a report, but there's research that shows that um, pension boards, so uh, pension funds typically have a, a board, and when those boards have a higher percentage of public employees, the systems are more underfunded on average. And that's because the incentive for public employee unions is to downplay the cost of the benefits to get politicians to give it to them. Uh, so they tend to, to lobby in favor of higher discount rates, for example. Um, but uh, just to, to, to go back to the, to the impact uh, of the discount rates, I, I wanted to mention um, you know, how this changes funding expectations and how it leads to to sort of unexpected budget crunches in the state. So we looked at uh, the actual annual contribution the state had to make versus what it projected it would have to make that year five years prior. And we did this for each year. And what we found is that um, taxpayers over the last decade contributed an extra $7.6 billion over 10 years that we didn't think we would have to contribute because our contributions were on average about 15% higher than expected. And that's because we undervalue them uh, with the discount rate. So the, the, the big difference, you asked you know, how actuaries would think about this, um, is that in the private sector, uh, we we tend to value it uh, at something close to a risk-free rate of return. And in the public sector, the pension funds use their assumed rate of return, so what they expect to get uh, on assets, on asset growth, as their discount rate. And to be clear, there's no mathematical relationship between a discount rate and the return that you expect to get on a portfolio of assets. N none. And, and not only that, but we don't even typically hit the investment targets that we set, right? So we're using these investment targets to discount the liabilities, and then we fall short of even hitting those. So, uh, you know, Illinois, uh, the pension funds, it, it, it ranges and they've lowered in recent years, but it's about 7% across the funds that they think they're going to get. And the 10-year average actual rate of return is only about 4.6. Uh, that's a huge gap. And, and that's what accounts for that 7.6 billion dollars in extra taxpayer funding. So I appreciate our listeners who have stuck through this conversation <laughs> so far. But the point of a discount rate is to assure that you're saving enough for uh, a high likelihood of whatever the likelihood is that you think you're actually going to have to make good on the promises. And as far as I know, in the public sector, when someone signs that contract with the state, the discount rate maybe ought to be zero. Uh, at least you could make a case for that because that liability is guaranteed in a lot of ways. Sure. But but we do have a challenge uh, in Illinois in particular uh, with discount rates because, you know, there's this, um, you know, the, the arguments you're making are right. The discount rates are inflated and they should be lower. But the, the impact of that means the debt grows, right, when you lower the discount rate, as do the contributions. Now you say that, well, you, sound, you sound like a state government official who's saying, well, the, the debt's going to get large if we lower the discount rate. And I and you would argue and I would argue, well, you're actually just telling the truth. Right. You're, it's, it's truth and accounting, but, the, but there is an impact because the, the state's contribution schedule, how much money taxpayers have to put into the fund is based on that liability. Um, and so when you lower the discount rate, you force taxpayers to put in more money. So we, we have this problem in Illinois of um, we already spend the most in the nation 
on pensions as a percentage of our revenue, both at the state and local level. It's about double the national average. And despite that, we also have the biggest debt. So we already spend the most, we have the biggest debt burden, and we have the biggest gap between what we're currently paying and what, what it would actually take to, uh, to, to lower the debt and to, to actually you know, uh, make these systems solvent. Um, so if you lower the discount rate, it, it should be done in conjunction with other reforms, structural benefit reforms that actually make the system uh, affordable and sustainable for the state's taxpayers because uh, this massive amount of money that we're putting in these pension systems, it's more than a quarter of our budget every year at the state level. More than 25% of Illinois' budget goes to pensions every single year. That's stunning. It, it's wild. And um, it's is and has been damaging our economy for about 20 years now. It's a major reason why Illinois, you know, lags behind economically. I, I mentioned earlier, it's a major reason why we're driving people out of the state. Um, but there's, you know, I, I've said in the past that public pension debt is sort of the eye of the perfect storm of our, our economic and fiscal challenges in the state. Um, so while we do, you know, <laughs> want to be more accurate in our pension accounting, uh, that should also come with a reckoning on how much we can actually afford to pay out. So what does that mean? Uh, down the road, I can imagine, uh, as we learned with uh, Detroit in its uh, bankruptcy, mm -hmm. that Illinois might find itself in a position where it simply has to make really hard choices about who gets what they're owed from the state. Are state workers going to have to take massive haircuts when Illinois faces when Illinois? you know, squarely faces the, the, the fiscal imbalance? They don't have to if we act soon enough and if we act sort of proactively now. You know, if we wait uh, for these systems to completely implode, and they're already very close, they only have about 39 cents saved for every dollar in future promises they've made. But uh, at this point, um, we can make modest sort of reasonable reductions in the future growth rate of employees' pensions while protecting every dollar earned for work already performed. Uh, and we've developed a plan, we call it Hold Harmless Pension Reform at the Illinois Policy Institute that would do just that, it would preserve, you know, no retiree would see the size of their current check go down. Uh, and if you're a current state worker, you log on to the state retirement portal and see what your annuity would be if you retired today, that amount never goes down. But the future growth rate of your benefits needs to be open to adjustment so we can actually make sure that, you know, not only can taxpayers afford this and we're not wrecking our economy, uh, but also that the, the system itself is is financially sustainable for, for the benefit of the public employee themselves. Um, and if we do that, you know, we're talking about very mi modest changes, things like moving from a 3% compounding post-retirement raise. And I call it that because if it's not tied to inflation, it's not a cost of living adjustment, right? But if we were to replace that 3% compounding post-retirement raise with a, a true cost of living adjustment tied to inflation and do a few other sort of modest things that, that are part of this plan, we could save about $2.4 billion per year for our state budget and put us on a path to completely eliminating the pension debt over about 20 years. So for states that are not as bad off as Illinois, and uh, you mentioned it's built into your state constitution, which I think uh, very few other states, if any, have that provision, uh, what would you say would be steps one, two, and three to getting a handle on their uh, pension obligations and, and squarely facing them sooner than later, because not looking at the bills that are in your mailbox does not mean that they're not there. Um, states like Connecticut, Kentucky, mm -hmm. Rhode Island, New Jersey, what should those states be doing sooner rather than later? Well, uh, the first thing that they need to do is make sure that the system itself is built in a way that does not put 
all of the burden and all of the risk on taxpayers. So, you know, we've said that Illinois uh, is the example of everything not to do. Um, Well, if I had to point to a state that's doing it really well, it would probably be Wisconsin, the Wisconsin state retirement system, one of the few uh, fully funded um, public retirement systems uh, in the country, actually. Um, and there's a, a few features that they have, I would call them sort of automatic economic adjusters. They're, they're things that automatically change to make sure the system's sustainable. The first is that their their cost of living adjustment, the annual uh, raise that the employees get, is actually tied to their investment returns. And in a good year, it could be better. And in a really down year, it can actually be negative. There's a floor, so the benefits can't drop too much. But this 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 makes sure that this is sustainable. And the other thing they do is that they adjust um, employee contributions so that the employee is always paying for 50% of the cost of the pension benefits. Um, and they adjust that annually. Uh, the reason these things are, are so important to do, because in Illinois, when you uh, are doing bad math at the beginning, when you're, when you're handing these pension benefits out, you're underestimating how much taxpayers are going to have to pay. But the employee benefits and the employee contributions are set by law. They can't change. So if there's any funding gap in Illinois, it has to be made up uh, purely by taxpayers. So really, you know, I think the the traditional model of defined benefit pensions is kind of broken uh, and people should be looking to switch to either defined contribution systems or sort of hybrid models like what we have in Wisconsin. Adam Schuster is the Senior Budget and Tax Research Director at the Illinois Policy Institute. We spoke last month. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.